I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share the word with you today. We've, um, we've been in a series called Devotions, and I just kind of want to give you a, a quick overview of this series. You know, again, not sure how many of you have been here, maybe every week. And you know how it is? It's kind of like new series. If you come in a few weeks in, it's, it's sort of like, wait, what are we talking about? What are we doing? And so I want to give you a little bit of a picture of that. Uh, it's called Devotions, uh, Exploring and Applying the Bible, because um, how many of you have ever... You ever have like maybe like an app or a book and it's it's a devotional book, right? You, you guys ever read those, right? And a lot of times what happens in those devotional books is somebody reads some scripture and then they give you all of their thoughts about those scriptures. And typically they have like 17 paragraphs of their own thoughts and then you read like one little bitty scripture. And usually it's one of those scriptures that a lot of people take out of context. Like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And they're like, I can fly. It's like... That's not what it means, but okay, you know. Um, but typically, it's like one scripture and then a whole lot of a whole lot of commentary on that scripture. And and what happens for us is that becomes our devotional life. That could become your devotional life, and so it becomes very uh, uh, wordy and very kind of like thought heavy versus scripture heavy. And so what we wanted to do in this script in this uh, series is sort of flip that upside down and say, man, let's use the Word of God as sort of our primary source for a devotional life. But how many of you know? that uh, the Bible can be an intimidating book. It really can be. Uh, you know, if you had one of those big family Bibles growing up, you know, like sitting on the mantle or like on the dining room table or whatever, it's this giant dusty book and you're just like, it's scary, it's scary looking, you know, at that age. And then you start opening it up and there's no pictures, you know what I'm saying? There's no pictures and it's just a ton of words. And, and it's sort of what happens a lot of times is people get overwhelmed by the size of the book and the complexity of the book. And so they decide just to kind of step back from even trying to understand the Bible. Bible themselves, and they say, I'm just going to listen to somebody else teach on it. So that's what happens in churches a lot of times is people show up every week and they want to hear what somebody else has to say about the Bible, which I think is great. I think the teaching of the word, I believe in church services like this. I think a lot of great things happen, but I know that there's more to our understanding and our study of the Bible than honestly what you're about to hear for the next 30 minutes or so here, right? Uh, it's just the way that it is. It's continued learning and continued growing in, in knowing who God is and what he, what he has for you. And so this, this series, is about exploring and applying the Bible because then there's another group of people who's, who are really good at studying. I mean, I'm talking like they read book after book after book, but applying the Bible to their life and actually like, you know what I'm saying? Making it happen, like taking that tool and actually using that tool is a whole nother thing. That's where a lot of people, they kind of find themselves showing up to church or whatever, right? And they don't actually put into play right, put into their life what they hear. And that's another trap, okay? So there's, there's, there's traps laid by the enemy all over the place. And, uh, and so what we're trying to do is sort of expose those things and also simplify what it looks like to study the word of God. That's our goal. Our goal in this series is to grow in our ability to explore and apply the word of God to our lives. And so we've, I believe we've got a picture of some resources that we've shown the last few weeks. Uh, I'd like to put up here, uh, if I could, maybe we don't have it. Yeah, we do. There we go. So uh, we, we actually talked about these a couple of weeks ago. If you missed the first week of the series, I'd highly encourage you to go back on YouTube or go to the podcast or whatever and, uh, and, and, and listen to us kind of walk through these because we took some time on it. But the first thing there is the one-year Bible. 
And what we're doing every week is we are reading through the one-year Bible, which is simply what it says. It's, a, it's, a, it's basically where they split the Bible into daily readings, uh, uh, an Old and a New Testament, a, a Psalm and a Proverb. And uh, by the end of the year, you've read the whole Bible. So we're picking up in the October readings because um, <clears throat> many people, by the time they get to October, when they start in January, they get to October, they've quit reading. Because, you know, you know how it is. Like you set a goal, and then you get three months into it, and you're like... All right, I want to set a new goal because this is not working out, right? So a lot of the scriptures that we're talking about, people have never actually got to these if you're a one-year Bible person. And uh, anyway, it's a little bit of a joke. If you never read the one-year Bible, then you didn't really get it. I'll keep moving on. And so we've got, you know, we talked about concordances and cross-references and commentaries. And, and, and really what we're doing is each week we're kind of using these tools and teaching them on Sunday. This is about as grassroots, like nuts and bolts of a series that we could do about literally being able to read the Bible and study it for yourself. And that's our goal. But the Word of God, uh, we, we spoke about the Word of God, uh, the authority of the Word of God, just a few months ago or a few weeks ago in our series, Loving Logic. And the, the, the Word of God, uh, we'll actually talk a little bit about this in a, in, in a second here, but the word of God is to be taken as the author, as authoritative, right? The authority of the word of God. And if we read it that way, then it has much value to our life. Second Timothy says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so if you are not uh, a student of the word of God, then it's going to be very difficult to understand what true righteousness is. And that's actually an issue that we have in Christianity today is a lot of people like to make statements about what is true or good. And the, the, the problem is, is that it's not in conjunction with what the word of God says is true and good. And so people kind of create their own good and true apart from the scripture. And we're instructed by the scripture, by God, to not do that, to be very aware of that. So that's why it's so important that we are connected to the word of God. So today we're going to be jumping into Jeremiah chapter 35, which for some of you, you're like, oh boy. All right, we're going into Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah is a pretty intense book. Uh, Jeremiah was a prophet. In case you don't know uh, what prophets were, especially in the Old Testament, these were men who God would send to cities, and uh, God would speak through them to the people. And a lot of times they would bring correction and instruction. Many, many times it was it was negative. <laughs> a lot of times it was it was corrective in nature. But a lot of times with that correction would come hope. God would say things like, hey, stop doing this. And if you do, this good thing is going to happen. But if you don't, these bad things are going to happen. And Jeremiah is that guy. So uh, again, what we've been doing each uh, time that we open up these sermons is we want to give you some kind of cultural understanding, some context about what the... Um, what is, is going on in these stories, okay? So the summary of Jeremiah is this. Uh, Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet. How many of you would like that nickname, right? 
because his sorrow over the persistent message of God's judgment prophesied to the nation of Judah from the reign of King Josiah in 627 BC until sometime after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586. Now remember, this is a time that Israel and Judah have split. So there's two different kingdoms. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of drama in the, in the people of God. And so Jeremiah is speaking into a lot of chaos. Uh, the cultural context is that the Israelites repeatedly fell away from God when they prospered and then would repent and do good for a while. All right. Uh, if you've read the Old Testament at all, you have, you've read this pattern over and over. It almost starts feeling like a broken record. You know, um, I'm in a text group with some guys in my, in my small group. And uh, so I'm kind of reading through the one-year Bible. Another guy, he's reading in Numbers. Like, he's kind of slowly moving through the whole Old Testament. And, uh, and it's funny because we'll text stuff out of the Scripture. And <laughs> he's like, he literally said this week, he's like, uh, all right, so Numbers chapter 15 or whatever it was. He's like, more of the same, people complaining, God gets mad, judges them, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like over, and, it, and it actually gets humorous, but it's also sad at the same time. Because it kept happening, okay? It kept happening. The people of God kept uh, falling away from God. So the purpose of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, is to declare the coming judgment of God and to communicate God's desire for repentance and righteousness, which again, God was clear about many, many, many times. Okay, one more thing before we jump into the scripture is this. Every, um, every time that we read scripture, we've been asking three questions. And again, these three questions are questions that you can ask every time that you read the scripture. It's not just for a Sunday sermon. It's for you to literally, as you're reading, come on, picture it right now, Whatever, wh however you read the Bible. Maybe it's like before you go to work. Maybe it's at your lunch break. Maybe it's like you listen to it. I don't, I don't know. However you read the Bible and study the Bible, I want you to picture that you're right there in that moment and you're reading the word. And imagine asking these three questions. What do I learn about God? What do these scriptures teach me about God? What do I learn about people? And then, you know, myself or other people, why they think and act the way that they do. And then what does God want me to do? If you ask these three questions, if you, if you, if you actually ask them, as you're reading scripture, the, the scripture begins to break open. If you're in a sermon series uh, group right now, you know, it's, it's so simple. You, you take three verses of scripture and you ask these questions and it just balloons open into, uh, I mean, an hour conversation. Like, for instance, as we read these scriptures, anytime that you see God, right, or the Lord, it, 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 like, like put like a, like a little note right there, like a little star in your mind. It says, what is this sentence or this verse telling me about God? Because it's saying something. Whenever it, whenever it mentions a person or a people, it's like, wait, what, it, what is the scripture? What is God trying to teach me about people in this moment? And then whenever you're reading and there's some sort of command or imperative statement, it's like, okay, what, what is the scripture instructing me to do, right? What sin is the scripture instructing me to avoid? What command am I to obey? What promise should I claim? There's all of these sub-questions that come up, up, up underneath these three questions. And again, we covered those in depth the first week of this series. Y'all with me? Everybody good? Making sense? All right, good, good, good. All right, we're going to jump into Jeremiah 35. We're going to read 12 through 17 today, and then we're going to discuss it. It says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, 
said this, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, which Jerusalem was in Judah, will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord. That's a, that's a, that should let you know that there's some bad things taking place, right? Like God, God's really, he's saying, hey guys, why are you not receiving my instruction and listening to my words? Now the next verse, by the way, is, is gonna kind of be random, but, uh, but we're gonna explain it a little bit later. It says this, the command that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave, gave to his sons to drink no wine, uh, wine has been kept, and they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I've sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently saying, turn now every one of you from his evil way and amend your deeds and do not go after other gods to serve them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you and your forefathers and your fathers. But you did not incline your ear or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have kept the command that their father gave them. But this people, the Israelites, they have not obeyed me. Therefore, just thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I have pronounced against them because I've spoken to them and they've not listened. I've called to them and they have not answered. Those are heavy scriptures. There's, there's, not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of jokes that you can add into those scriptures, okay? It, God's like, I have been saying this for a long time, warning you, and now I'm bringing judgment because you will not listen, okay? Now, the first question that we're gonna ask here, again, is what do I learn about God? What do we learn about God in these scriptures? Again, uh, you know, we, I was kind of explaining this a few weeks ago to some people uh, when it comes to reading comprehension. I, I think sometimes, I mean, I don't know how many of y'all actually read a lot of books. I know that I don't, I don't read books for fun. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I read books that I want to learn something about. Like, I know people that they'll just grab a novel, and I'm talking, it's th- and they just have fun just diving into a book. And I have so much respect for you, but I, I don't understand you. Like, I just don't, you know, because for me, I'm like, man, if there's a book I'm reading, there's a reason I'm reading the book. I'm, I'm searching out those scriptures or I'm searching for something in that blog or that article that I want to learn about. You know what I'm saying? And if that's the case, if I know what I'm looking for, like, man, I'm going to tear it apart. And so in these scriptures, again, if I am reading and looking for God and what he's saying, then, then and I ask this question, what do I learn about God? One of the things that we learn, again, we're not going to break it all open, but one of the things that we learn is that God is persistently pursuing the Israelites, right? He's persistently pursuing them, and subsequently, he consistently pursues us. That's something that God is, is, he just, he's proven time and time again. He's persistently pursuing the Israelites. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because he sent prophets time and time again. Again, the Bible, every book kind of builds on itself. They're all kind of interlocked. And so the story's even interlocked. And so here's what happens. Some people, all they do is they just read. If you just read Jeremiah chapter 35, and that's all you knew about God, if that's all that you read, you would say, wow, what a mean, mean God. 
because that one story is out of context of the entirety of the, the faithlessness of the Israelites and the faithfulness of God. And whenever you kind of break those things apart, you take it out of context of what's going on culturally. That's why we, we talk about the cultural context. Then it can look that way. But as you study further, you begin to see God is very straightforward in his, uh, his desire for his people. Okay, so God persistently pursues, he sends prophets, and we learned that obviously in verse 14 and 15, I've spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I've sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently. God again would send prophets, and y'all listen, like I want you guys to imagine that you are Jeremiah, or you are Isaiah, or you are one of those prophets, and God gives you a word, you go to the people, you're, you're, you obey God, okay, and then the very people that, like, it's almost like you have this imagination and you're like, oh, I know what's gonna happen. God's gonna give me a word. I'm gonna go in obedience. I'm gonna speak that word and they're, they're just gonna crumble. They're gonna be like, oh my gosh, they're gonna repent, fall before God and it's gonna be a wonderful thing. Then they're gonna hoist me onto their shoulders. Look at this prophet of God who has come and spoken life and, and God is now blessed. But the opposite happened. They would stone them. They would imprison them. One guy was sawed in two with a wooden saw. I'm t like the people of God would reject them with like violence. Now, side note, what that teaches me is that not every time that I obey God is the best case scenario going to happen. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like for some of you, you're in a struggle between this decision and this decision, and you feel like God's leading you to make this decision. And what you think is if I make the good decision, then good things are going to happen. However, that's not always the case. Sometimes you make the righteous decision. You follow God and everything falls apart, right? But you learn something down that path. I learn, I actually learn more in bad times than I do good times. I do. I learn more about God. I also learn a lot more about myself right? So I hope that encourages you today. <clears throat> um, but they would reject, they would reject, uh, they would reject the prophet of God. Therefore they were rejecting God. It was no different, but he persistently went after them. I think about, I think about uh, right now, our four-year-old, she, uh, when she's on her iPad, uh, she'll, she'll grab me or Nadine's phone or, or our iPad or whatever. And she'll call her cousin. They love to play some game together and they FaceTime, they FaceTime on one device and they play on the other device. Like it's, it's just, it's really sad. It's, 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 I shouldn't let it happen as much as it does, but anyway. All right. So what happens is she'll, she'll go to FaceTime her cousin sometimes and she doesn't answer. And she's not at the age where she understands that if you call somebody once, you don't call them back a second time because it's annoying. Come on, y'all. You know the person that calls you back the second time and you pick it up because you're like, it must be an emergency. And then, and then you're like, hey, what, is everything okay? And they're like, oh, no, I was just calling you back. I was trying to get a hold of you. What's going on? Oh, I, I just wondering, do you want to go to Chili's or Friday's? It's like click or click. And anyway, but what it, we're, we're trying to teach her like not to do that. But what she is doing is she's persistently calling her cousin and also Nadine's cousin, her parents. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just nonstop. But there's a persistency there that, that it, why? Because she really wants to talk to her cousin. And God is sending prophets, even though they kill them, persistently because he has something that he wants to speak to them. And he's willing to annoy them, <laughs> all right, and continue to go because he's trying to get a word across. God is persistent. But also his persistency reveals that also God is merciful. 
Because here's the deal. I don't know about you, but if I was to send someone or if I was to go myself and, and try to help someone and they reject my help, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to send somebody else. I'm not going to try again. I tried once. You didn't receive it. Tried helping. All right, high five. You go beat, you know, go, you, you do you. You do your thing. And, and like, I'm not going to invest over and over and over. I'm going to put a boundary up, right? We're taught that nowadays in our relationships. Like, put boundaries up to protect yourself. And I believe in all that. But God doesn't really draw a boundary very much. He's like, no, I'm going to continue to go because this is going to reveal to them how merciful I am. This is a big point right here. A lot of times... Whenever we read scripture, especially the Old Testament, I have a lot of conversations with people and it goes like this. I don't see how God is really that loving and gracious and merciful in the Old Testament, but I can see how loving and gracious and merciful he is in the New Testament. And I'm sure each of us in this room, at some point, we've either heard someone say that or we've said it ourselves. Because as you read the Old Testament, y'all, God's like, go kill all the men, all the women, and all the children. Matter of fact, the animals too. Like nothing being left alive, right? Now, one thing I'll say is I'm not going to go extremely deep into that right now. However, however, this is something that I know. When I am reading scripture and I read scripture and, it, and, and the way that I'm reading it, the angle that I'm reading it, I begin to not see God anymore as loving, gracious, good, faithful, just, righteous, you know, merciful, all these things. I am reading the scripture incorrectly. That right there is a huge filter that you must have as you read the word of God and as you contemplate and you pray and you meditate upon the things of God. God is love. He defines what love is. His timing is perfect. His justice is sure. There is nothing that God has done that has ever been incorrect, okay? And so as you read scripture, you, you might be tempted, and, and this, is, this is why. I think a lot of times we put ourselves in the story as the people receiving potentially the judgment, and because we see ourselves as elevated and good at heart, right? We, and we justify our own sin. We also kind of subconsciously justify the sin of the people in the story. And then that makes God look overbearing and mean. It's just another part. It's just humanism all over again, right? It's, it's idolatry. It's us elevating our knowledge against God's. But if we really lean back and we look at the story, and if you would actually read story after story, you would begin to see you, first off, you begin to see how long-suffering God was with his people. Huge point there. God is very long-suffering. The other thing that you'll see is how gross the sin was of the people at that time. I'll give you two examples. One is this. The children of God, kings, literally, they, they would go sometimes, they would go and they would take the gods, the idols of other place, uh, people groups, they would take their idols, they would bring them into the temple, and begin to worship these false idols in the temple. Okay, some of y'all look bored with that. You got to read your Bible some more, okay? God was, I mean, it's in the Ten Commandments, right? Put no other God before me. And they're like, not only are we going to put a God before you, we're going to take that God and literally put him slap in the middle of the temple. Y'all. The next thing that they would do, there was an Israelite king 
who became so in, in, enthralled with pagan worship that he actually sacrificed his own son out of worship to Baal. So here's the deal. Whenever we think that the sin of those people wasn't that bad and God was being mean, first off, we don't understand the level of sin that was, that was going on, right? Like, it, we're, we're not saying like one person said a little white lie and then God sent boulders of burning fire. You know what I'm saying? And, and bl- no, yeah, one guy thought that was funny. <clears throat> anyway, I thought, that was, I thought that was kind of a good thing. Anyway, so uh, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it was way more than that. But again, if we're, if we're kind of justifying ourselves, if, if I'm reading scripture trying to honestly justify myself and I'm also downplaying what sin is, the effects of sin, and I'm downplaying the sin of the Israelites, then, then, then all of a sudden I'm out of balance and I begin to reimagine God as someone that he is not. How we read scripture is extremely important. But when I read scripture, I read these verses, I read that God is persistent, and God is merciful, that he would continue even after kings were sacrificing their kids and bringing idols into the, I mean, after all of these, and that's just two things. There was many, many more things that they were doing repeatedly over and over and over that God would still send Jeremiah one last time. I see mercy in that. I see mercy in that. So God is merciful. And I love this, and then we'll move on to the next question. Psalm 103, verses 8. This is someone who is living in that time, seeing the things that God is doing. And this is how they, they thought of God. They said, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Don't take my word for who God is. Take, take some of the, the people who were literally there in that time that were going. Their understanding of who God was is, man, God, I see you judging. I see you doing this. But God, I know that you're doing that out of love, out of justice and, and righteousness. And you are slow to anger because he's merciful. He's merciful. The second question is, what do I learn about people? What do I learn about people? Well, simply, this is the thought that, that, that I learned about people in this, this verse. People often have too little respect for the word of God. Just too little respect. God speaks, they downplay it, they ignore it. Judgment is delayed as the Bible talks about. So people feel like God's not involved anymore so they can kind of just do whatever, right? People have too little respect for the word of God. When we see this, not just in this passage, but we see it in the whole Bible. And this is where the Rechabites come in. Right, we were talking about the people, and it said they, they don't drink wine. Their father told them not to drink wine, and they they what what is he talking about? And you can go read a little bit more in that chapter about these people. But these people they were like a nomadic people. They didn't own land. They they lived in tents. They didn't have houses. Right? They they didn't want to be like corrupted by uh, city life. I kind of picture them sort of like monks to a certain extent. You know, like like people that were very disconnected. They're like the the strange woods people. There's the people that live in the woods up in the mountains, you know what I'm saying? Off the grid. Although I understand more and more, the, <laughs> the more that things play out, why people would want to do that. But these people were, you know, they were off the grid. And the reason is, is because their, their, their father, the Rechab, he told them, you know, certain things to do and not do. And they listened. Okay. They listened to this man's word in order not to be corrupted by city life. And so, so God says here in verse 15, you didn't incline your ear and listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, again, that's the guy that we're talking about, uh, they have kept the command that their father gave them, right? 
Rechab said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And here they are passing that down and actually obeying it. And he says, but this people, he's talking about the Israelites. He's talking to his people. But my people, they won't obey me. The God who, you know, pulled you out of Egypt, the God who did all these crazy, miraculous things, I've proven all of this over and over and over. And these people are more loyal to this guy who just said, hey, let's go live in the woods together, basically, you know, and, and you are, than, than you are to me. And, and so what God is saying is you don't respect me. You don't respect my word. And he's letting them know that. And here's the deal. When it comes to respecting someone's word, I believe this, that we respect the word of someone that we trust, right? If someone tells me to do something or, or, or offers, offers some instruction, if I trust them, then I honor, obey, and I respect what they say. But if I don't trust them, if I don't think that their word is good, then I don't. And God's like, I understand if you wouldn't respect the word of a lot of other people or a lot of other gods, you know, but I have proven that I'm trustworthy and that my word is good. So why are you disobeying me? Because people often just don't respect the word of God. We see that in our nation right now, in our world. And it's always been, but certain seasons you see it more than others. Christianity is the number one thing to mock and make fun of and ridicule, right? Us crazy Christians who believe in this old antique book, you know, and, and this imaginary energy force God thing, right? Like it's, it's mocked and it's undermined, but it always has been. So we shouldn't be surprised by that. We should just read scriptures like this and be like, kind of could see it coming, right? But also it warns me and says, hey, Jordan, don't take the word of God as, don't take it lightly, Right? How am I not respecting the word of God in my own personal life? The word of God being the Bible, but also the word of God being God speaking to me in, through, through people or through whatever, right? How am I not obeying, not listening to the word of God in my life? The point is that God expects at least the same respect from the Israelites for his word that the Rechabites had for Jonadab's word. And it's the same for us today. So what I learned about people Come on, we lack respect for the word of God at times. Now again, this is devotions, exploring and applying the Bible. These are the types of things that as you read the word of God, you could have these, these nuggets, these moments on a Tuesday morning, you know, six o'clock before you go to work with your coffee, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like I want you to picture these moments happening in your life on a daily or, you know, at least a few times a week basis. Come on, you, you would see God differently that day, right? You would begin to see how God is merciful or persistent in your life. You begin to look around at people and you be, begin to think about your own life and say, man, where am I not respecting the word of God? And the last one is this, what does God want me to do? And what we read in these scriptures that, that God desires us, he desires his people to listen and to obey. Listen to obey, man. Listen and obey. How many times have you ever told, told your kids that? They're sitting there last night, actually, for us. We told our oldest daughter, she is 10 now. She's getting close to 11. And we have given her a couple of chores, you know, like do the dishes. Mom makes the food pretty much because I'm not good at it. And then uh, Ari, get up and you, you know, you wash the dishes. You put it, honestly, 
you, you rinse them off and you put them in the dishwasher. We don't really wash dishes, right? And, um, and you'd be surprised how every day she's shocked whenever we ask her to do the dishes again. You know, she's like watching TV or whatever. We get done eating. We're like, all right, all right, go ahead and clean up the kitchen. And she's like, oh, what? <laughs> every day. And it's like, yeah, we kind of already established this is how things go, you know? But it's surprising every time. Why? Because we expect her to listen, but also to actually obey it, to do it. And how many of you parents, like, and some of you your kids are out the house, and you're like, you ever just had this statement? Would you do one thing without complaining or doing that weird little, like, or... <sighs> so we mock our kids. I don't know if we've ever talked about this with you guys, but whenever this happens, immediately, it's like, huh? And we just mock them, and then they get mad, and, and then, anyway, the kids are awesome. They're just little versions of ourselves, just without any filter whatsoever. You see, I still get upset when I have to do the dishes. I just don't cry about it, you know? Nadine's like, hey, can you take out the trash? Outwardly, I'm like, yeah, baby, I got it. Inwardly, I'm like, huh. <laughs> so God desires for people to listen and obey. Verse 13, will you not receive instruction and listen, all right, and to my words, declares the Lord. Now, now two things. Number one, it's receive instruction is more the listen part, like in the way that we would talk. We would say listen, which is hear, receive the instruction. But the part here, whenever he says listen to my words, that actually is obey, actually do what I say. Okay, so whenever we read listen in their mindset, they weren't just hearing sit there and just hear the words. They were hearing like show that you have heard what I said by actually doing what I said. If you don't respond, then it's like you never heard it in the first place. So what was the point of the whole entire conversation? He's like, listen to what I'm saying. Do what I'm telling you to do. Now, here's the deal. God is not just trying to tell them a bunch of stuff to do. Sometimes I tell my kids this, but I also, I've been in meetings before where I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm not trying to like just tell you what to do. Like there's reasoning behind the, like what's the why of this? Sometimes with your kids or people that you love, that you're close to, you might be explaining something and you're like, man, I'm not trying to just tell you what to do just to, just because I like, I'm power tripping. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's a reason behind that. And God's not just telling his people, you can't, you know, worship these idols or you can't do this, you can't do that because God likes rules. God loves people. And so he puts guidelines in place for their good and his glory. And that's something else that a lot of people miss in the Old Testament is the instructions of God were, again, not just because God likes to make a bunch of rules. It's because he loved his people and he wanted to give them instruction and rules for their good, like for their society. Like it's, it's better to obey the Lord and to, to, you know, 10 commandments or whatever you're, you're talking about and obey the word of God. It actually plays out better in your life, in your health, in your relationships. It's just, it's better. Why? Because God made us and he knows how we tick. And so whenever we obey his plan, it actually works out better for us. It really does. And you know what's amazing is that so many times throughout the Old Testament, you see that the Israelites would say, you know, why did we ever leave Egypt in the first place? Why did we ever leave Egypt in the first place? How many of you, you got saved and within a few months or a few years, whenever things begin to fall apart in your life, it felt like you said, well, man, psh, why, why did I ever even get saved in the first place? What was the point? I thought that God was going to fix all this. That's exactly what they did over and over and over. They did. They were like, man, at least in Egypt, we had a place to lay down and sleep. At least we had food. You know what I'm saying? 
but they were slaves. You see, you see the twistedness in the mindset? Why? Because whenever we begin to experience discomfort, we begin, to search for, we begin to search for comfort in anything. And for them, in some weird way, they said, I, I know we got whipped in Egypt. I know that they were hard on us. I know that. But in a way, it felt a little bit easier. And God's like, no, no. But man, whenever you start going through hard times, things start happening in your mind, right? Your faith gets shaken. God says, hear and listen to my words. John 10, 27 says this. This is Jesus. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep, people who are students of God, who are followers of Jesus, they hear the, they hear the voice of God and then they follow that voice. How do you hear the voice of God? What, what, when I say that, hey, when's the last time you heard God in your life? Like, when's the last time, like, what, what does that look like for you? You don't have to answer right now. You know, it's kind of one of those contemplative things. You know? Well, sometimes for me, it's like, wait, wait, wait. wait. Um, what does that look like? Is it through the word? Is it through meditation, thinking upon the things of God, right? Is it, like, is it, is it prayer? I can tell you this, that God will speak to you through a plethora of different ways, but you have to have your ear inclined to be able to recognize it. Two weeks ago, I, um, I, I can't really go into like details about what it was, but, but it was about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and I looked at a report about something, um, and when I, when I read it, uh, the, the, the numbers and the things that were going on were, were all discombobulated. It was all wrong. And I was like, man, if these numbers are off, like, like this, is a, this is a big problem. It's a big problem. And so, so I made a phone call and started kind of researching a little bit. And for about two hours, I was on the edge of myself. Like, dude, this can't be true. Like, this can't be, this has got to be wrong, you know? And I'm, I'm starting to pray. I'm like, God, you know, I'm starting to get like antsy, you know, like sweaty hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, man, what's going on? And after two hours, realized that the report was wrong and all these things were actually, it, it was all, it was all good. Everything was good. And uh, about two hours after we found out that it was good, I was getting in my truck to leave and uh, where I was at. And God, like literally, like in a moment, God was like, do you see how quick your faith was shaken in that moment? Like just your trust that, that I've got you in that area. Like how quickly? A bad spreadsheet. Oh! <laughs> God, where are you? You've abandoned me. And we're on the edge of that all the time. But guess what? God spoke to me. That's like, I take that as the voice of God in that moment. Cause I wasn't, dude, I was climbing in my truck. Oh, get in my truck. Boom. I believe that to be the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, reminding me, are you trusting in yourself or are you trusting in me? Those moments, God speaking, are you listening? Right? Are you listening? How has God been persistently pursuing you? I want you just to think about that for a second. How has God been persistently pursuing you? A lot of times we read scripture, we read stories of other people, and we can totally see how God's pursuing them. And we're like, oh, man, look at those dummies. You know? <laughs> These Israelites, man, they were pretty dumb. They couldn't obviously see that God was pursuing them. Today it's pretty obvious. And meanwhile, God's got a megaphone just like, wah in our ear and we're like, God, where are you? 
doing the same thing that we're, you know, making fun of the Israelites about, and it's actually happening to us. How has God been pursuing you? How has God been calling things out in your life, in your family, and in your relationships? Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's lack of trust. I don't know what it is. But how has he been calling you out? And how are you basically just rejecting or not respecting his word in, in your life? It's a spectrum. For some of you, you rejected it so long that you literally don't even hear anything anymore. Because guess what? that voice gets smaller and smaller and smaller in your life. A seared conscience where the Holy Spirit used to speak. The Holy, did you know that you can quench the Holy Spirit? The Bible talks about that. You could quench the Holy Spirit in your life. And then people are like, I don't hear God. It's like, well, when, when have you ignored him in the past? Maybe what needs to happen, there needs to be a, some brokenness, some surrender, right? Some re-engagement into hearing the voice of God, man. These questions we're asking, they seem so simple, right? And they are. But as you begin to ask these questions, as you read the word of God, God will begin to speak to you and begin to adjust your thinking and adjust the way that you live your life. In closing, 1 Thessalonians 2 says this, and we thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, come on, y'all, when you received the word of God, which you have heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. This is the proper response to the word of God. And uh, we're about to have somebody come up and start playing piano, so y'all stay locked in, all right? Here's the deal. In this moment today, this is an example of, of a moment whenever you can take what someone has said and just take it as simply and basically just the words of a man, which is what I am, just a person up here, right? And you can take it simply as that and downplay it to a place and like kind of just skate through this moment, skate through this time and just get me to lunch to where that pressure valve can be, you know, undone and I could just be released from that. Or you can actually take this moment and, and, and receive it, as Paul tells the Thessalonians here, receive it as the word of God. And now it's like a hot potato, y'all. You know what I'm saying? You got this hot potato, and what are you going to do with it? We're responsible for what happens whenever the word of God is, it comes to us and how we respond. I'm not responsible for your response. I feel no responsibility. I feel like it's almost like Jeremiah, you know? Jeremiah was not responsible for the response of the people. He wasn't. He was to be faithful to deliver it, and that's it. The responsibility, the weight lies upon each of us individually to, to say, okay, how am I gonna be faithful to what God is speaking to me? So that's my question. How has God been speaking to you? Because he's speaking, he's persistent, He's merciful. How has God been speaking to you? And, and are you respecting his word? And then are you listening and actually obeying and applying it to your life? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for your word. We believe that you're speaking to us. God, I believe that you're speaking to us every day in some way, shape, or form. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you're still speaking to us. God, we thank you that you were faithful to the Israelites time and time again. And, and God, we can read that and we can understand that you are faithful still today.
And that God, your mercy endures through all of our ups and downs. You are steadfast. And, and God, it's, it's like we always know that you are, are there ready and willing and able. But God, it takes a broken and a contrite heart. And so Father, right now, every single one of us, God, we just, we say, God, that we're open, that we are broken. And God, right now, we wanna surrender ourselves to you. For some of you right now, this is a moment, it's been a long time since you have truly like surrendered yourself to God. And even if you're a believer, even if you've been a believer for many years, I'm not talking about just salvation, a moment of salvation. I'm talking about a lifestyle of a, a repentant lifestyle, a lifestyle that says, God, I am yours through the thick and the thin, Father, through the things that I understand and the things that I don't. I still believe that you're good and you're faithful. Come on, some of you just right now, just surrender your heart to God. I surrender afresh and anew. If you're in this place right now and you know that you're far from God, meaning that, like I just read that scripture, uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And that, that, that sheep, it it's, speaks of belonging to Jesus, belonging to Jesus. And you would say right now, I don't belong to Jesus. I, I, I'm really not, I'm not born again or saved. There's a lot of different words that the Bible uses to describe it, but you would say, no, I'm really not a follower of Jesus. Right here, right now, just say, God, I surrender my heart to you. Forgive me of my past. Heal my heart. I believe in you. I accept what Jesus did for me on the cross. Put my full faith into who you are, and I trust you today. God, I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you for your faithfulness in all of our lives. God, there's so many stories here. There's so many stories, God, where we were in Egypt. You pulled us out of Egypt. God, you've, you've been faithful to us time and time again. God, even in the times that we've rejected your word, Lord, you have been merciful and gracious, and we thank you for that. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.